Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to Eureka. You're getting the gist by now. This is a show that gets under the skin of science in a good way. As we invite a new expert every week to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions as decided by, well, it's us. Isaac Asimov once said, the most exciting phrase in science is not Eureka, but that's funny. Respectfully, you're wrong, Isaac. You can have a bit of both. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr. Michael Brooks. I think I'm out of not a real doctor material now oh good finally yeah yeah i mean i'm not gonna stop saying it because you know who wants to listen to a show that's just rick edwards and michael brooks i mean we're just gonna lose lose listeners aren't we and we need some kind of you know incentive for people to sorry they're getting like some kind of value for money (laughs) your your position is that people are tuning into this show because you're a doctor well i mean i I don't think that's true i don't i I think it you know maybe they think oh oh i'll keep listening you know they've got to that point and they're like oh dr michael brooks I'll keep listening. I think you're kidding yourself. Uh, maybe. So uh, what, what's on the agenda today then? So at the time of recording, as you'll be aware, uh, it's the start of Glastonbury. And I thought music is quite a good one for us to tackle and one we haven't really looked at before. Yeah, nice. Okay. I mean, are you going to tell me your Glastonbury stories or not? No, no. I think this might be the kind of situation where uh, we spend 15 minutes of me talking about my various entertaining sort of activities at music festivals and then my agent says, no, obviously not. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so I think maybe we just cut out the middleman. <laughs> um, now, it's been suggested uh, by our producer that I ask you, can you play an instrument? Here we go. Here we go. Can you, yes, do you do you play any music at all? Uh, yeah, I I play the guitar and uh, I play well, the bass. It. Actually, yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm absolutely adequate at both and not really very good. I would say I was talking to our drummer yesterday, and um, and basically I was sort of saying, you know, I'm I'm sort of perfectly adequate for the job in hand, but I I really wish I was actually good at it, you know. But I've yeah. never put any effort into it. Don't we need to be good as a bass player, though, do you? No, you need to be just adequate. <laughs> I mean, you need to not make mistakes, not be noticed. I mean, that's mm. the whole point. Mm. You know, don't ask me to solo or anything like that. Obviously, I, I, I don't want to stand out. I just want to not stand out for the wrong reasons. Um, do you prefer playing in Bus Monkeys or Supernatural <laughs> Things? This is uh, Michael's two bands. Oh, I mean, what a question that is. Mm. No, I like them both. They're so different. I'm not going to choose between them. And which which band name would you say was worse? I don't think it's easy to decide. That. <laughs> They're both unforgivably poor. But which is worse? I don't think they are poor. I think That's... Supernatural Things is a great ba- a great name for a funk band. 
Yeah, I don't. Oh, fuck. Yeah, actually. Do you know what? It's a because song. It's, There's a song. Because it's funk. Uh, yeah, supernatural yeah, thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it's Bus Monkeys. Bus Monkeys is it's the worst. Is, I, mean, that, that's, I mean, partly... Every we, time we I were hear desperate. it, it makes me cringe. We yes, desperate. I can hear you were desperate. But we used to be called the Happy Endings. Oh, right. my God. <laughs> and then there was another band like in the sort of local How area. I ended up being friends with you? I shouldn't be friends with someone who's in a band called Bus Monkeys and was formerly in a band called the Happy Endings. Oh, anyway, so you know, we gave up the name and, and had to find something else. So it's a boring mm. story. Do you want to ask me if I play any music? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do. Do you? Do you? I'm not aware of any. <laughs> no. Uh, when I was... Uh, and I do feel like if you had any ability at all, you'd have told me about it and how uh, good you were. I would, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, so you don't, clearly. No, I don't. I was, well, forced, basically, to play the violin Oh, by my mum. Always a mistake. Oh, God, I... I mean, A, I was very poor at it. I don't know if it's hard. I think it's probably quite hard, the violin. I'm not sure. I had no no discernible talent or interest. Would skive off most of my lessons. It was just a waste right, of my yeah. mum's money. Never practised, obviously. Never practised. Every now and again, I'd have to play like my uh, play for my well, for my mum and dad, and my poor dad would just have to sit there and be like, <laughs> even at that, even as a you know whatever I was like a. 10 year old yeah very aware that your dad is sitting there being like for fuck's sake. <laughs> barely tolerating I it i just want to watch the telly yeah yeah <laughs> why is he playing a violin badly in front of me <laughs> whatever we're doing we're always surrounded by sound it might be the chatter of an annoying co-worker someone panting frantically on the running machine next to you or god forbid your own private mutterings a fair bit of the time, though, there's probably some music. All of our lives have their own soundtracks, and as humans, music is often our chosen art form to mark and remember some of life's most seismic moments. Whether we want to cry after a breakup, have an emotional first dance, get out on the town with some friends, or even just let our inner diva shine. Looking at you, Brooksy. In the world of music, there really is something for everyone. Bearing in mind it's just a collection of sounds, what is it about music that scratches that itch in our brains like nothing else seems to? Leo Tolstoy said that music is the shorthand of emotion, so that's why this week we're asking, why do humans like music? So this week we are joined by Professor Robert Zatori, who's a neuroscientist at the Montreal Neurological Institute of McGill University. And I want to chat with Professor Robert because of his research on the auditory system, but more specifically because he's got an emphasis on researching speech and music. And the first question I asked him was whether musical talent was innate or acquired. Well, it's an excellent question, exactly how to define innate musicality. It can be defined in various ways, but I think almost everyone would agree that, uh, that humans share this, this ability to, to make and to enjoy music. And the reason for that is that if you look, first of all, at uh, across human societies, all of them have something that is recognizable as music to the others. It's really very widespread. Uh, it um, doesn't seem to be something you know that only a few cultures share. But the other thing is that if you look at uh, infants, for example, they respond to music very, very early. Uh, there's some evidence even in the womb that they might you know, respond to rhythms. But uh, once you have a baby that's only a few weeks old or so, 
it uh, they orient to music and they, they there's some evidence that their movements are slightly synchronized to, to the musical beat this is at an age when you know they don't have any uh, obviously any real training or anything so it seems to be innate from that perspective in the sense that we uh, almost all individuals with some exceptions but almost all individuals have this propensity for responding to music in one way or another the thing that's interesting about the way that music makes us feel and sort of interacts with with us is that it triggers the same kind of dopamine release as you associate with tangible pleasures like food and sex and drugs, even though it's an abstract reward, sort of at best, really. Like, you can't immediately... Really? So so you listen to something that you're enjoying and you're getting... I mean, obviously, there's pleasure involved. I kind of never really thought about this. So it's the same kind of pleasure reward as eating, you know, something nice. Exactly. So it's all, all part of the same, you know, very ancient kind of reward circuitry that is being that is being activated. See, that's weird because it's not to yeah. do with survival, is it? So normally you associate dopamine with things that are good for yeah. your survival. Yeah, but no, it's just uh, it's just operating in that same circuit, but doesn't have an obvious survival link. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, it's obviously very linked to language, and I think that's interesting. So if you look at the um, the, the the temporal lobe which is kind of the language center yeah the left hemisphere deals with language and words and then the right hemisphere deals with music and and sound interpretation but they're 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 totally linked yeah and lots of different it's not just one part of your brain actually that that is activated and involved in 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 listening to music it's it's lots of different bits that that are kind of working together um and and music can as you'd expect i suppose be as addictive as as a drug because it's stimulating dopamine release so it's kind of acting in in the same way that you know something like cocaine would you've clearly not been to one of my gigs <laughs> no that i imagine that acts like something like nitol <laughs> um, but it can you know yeah i mean but can you be addicted to music <sighs> i mean i'd sort of say no, I think that something can be addictive, as in use the same sort of neural pathways. Yeah, without you actually being addicted to it. Yeah. Okay. Good. I guess. Um, and I mean, they do say the rhythm's going to get you. Yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> just going to ignore that. Um, but what we what we can see is that music can uh, can impact. Brain function and, and, and behavior, it can reduce stress, it can reduce pain levels, um, it can, it well, can actually reduce, reduce pain levels. Yeah, yeah, it can reduce symptoms. We'll talk about some of the mad effects of music on animals later, okay. obviously, because I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, it can reduce symptoms of, of depression, um, it can improve your cognitive and, and, and motor skills. Like it's, it's, it's really, it can even this, when I read this, I had to read it. I think three times just to be sure I was reading it correctly. It can even assist with um, neurogenesis. So your brain creating new neurons. No. Yes. So all those times you're listening to music when you're revising for exams and your parents come in and say, you've got to turn that off. You won't have music in your exam. You need to have silence to concentrate. Might not be true. Might not be true. I, I feel like it probably is a problem though, because it's probably distracting. 
Yeah, it depends on right. the type of music. He's like, Mum, I'm making new neurons here. <laughs> but if, if you think about, so what function might music have been playing in, in early human communities? Yeah. And, and one of the things that we know that marks us out from other primates, for example, is that we are able to socialise in, in large, very large groups, much larger yeah. than, than other primates. And one idea is that actually music allows you to bond more quickly than other forms of, of communication. Uh, and, and also specifically when time is short, when you don't have time for a load of one-on-one interactions. Yeah. Just just the act of, of singing together or music listening together can do that. And they've, they've kind of shown this experimentally. And they didn't, when they did the experiment, it, it, it was surprising because they thought they were going to find one thing and they found something slightly different. So they did these, um, these sort of ad, adult education classes with groups of adults and they had one group, and I think they were seven months long for all three groups. One group was doing singing, one group was doing creative writing and one group was doing some sort of crafts like pottery. I mean, <laughs> you said that with such disdain. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, <laughs> as in the short straw. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you've got pottery. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> uh, Seven months. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh and uh, uh and so uh, and then they they at various points uh, along the along the way they kind of spoke to people about you know how they were getting on with the group and what they found is the singing group bonded really quickly so even after the first session pe- people felt like that they were they were kind Brilliant, of right yeah you know getting on with people yeah. but surprisingly that didn't maintain so by the end of the seven months all three activities all three classes were bonded at about the same amount. Oh. So what it seems is that singing is just really good for quickly bonding yeah. groups. But then, you can see why yeah, that would but be. But then it doesn't really develop after that. It doesn't particularly develop after that, but then it is also maintained. It's not like you're yeah, you you're, don't, you're less bonded. Yeah, okay. Um so and and that that makes sense because then it's just a question of you just spending time and you're yeah. kind of getting to know people yeah. over a period of, you know, period of classes. So um so, the, so that's so that's one thing that seems to be plausible as as a reason. Yeah. So this is why people be. join choirs and stuff, isn't it? Yeah. It's yes. Just like, I think you know, it just I, sort I, I of yeah, so. it's a great social activity, and you immediately make friends. Yeah. You know, just that sense of connection is something that we we actively seek out, and you can definitely get it through music. So I thought I should probably ask Professor Robert what he thought about music as a as a social bonding tool. I think music is inherently bonding, also in the sense that even if you're not with anyone else, you may listen to music and feel more connected to some group of people that aren't even there. So if this is a very common thing, if you move from your home country to somewhere else and you feel kind of lonely and uh, you, you miss your, your, your friends or you know, uh, your, your cultural links, you might listen to music from your home country and suddenly you feel you know, a much stronger connection, even though there's no one else in the room with you. So I think there are these sort of sociocultural aspects that are bound up with the music. We all kind of know it, don't we, that, that there's something about music. It's like you make a mixtape for somebody and, you know, if they like it, you feel sort of, you know, like you've done something great there and you know, you, they might keep it for it. I mean, I've got mixtapes that, that, you know, are literally decades old. Still got them. Can't, I've got nothing to play them on. But you know, there's that kind of sense of music. Like, you mm. can't throw that away because that's an, you know, that's almost a link to that person. So you know, I, I can understand that like, it just makes us 
Bond music in, in so many different ways. Have you got mixtapes from ex-girlfriends? No. No, no. <laughs> Have no, you? No, I haven't. Okay. I haven't. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. All, all from Philippa? Uh, no. Actually from Philippa's brother. So I'm, that, that sounds very weird. Uh, but when we went away to Guinea-Bissau, so we lived in uh, West Africa for a couple yeah. of years, mm-hmm. he sent us mixtapes of what was going on in the music scene. Oh, uh, that's like cool, in yeah. the sort of nine, so mid-90s, which uh-huh. we were completely missing out on. Mm-hmm. And so he just sent us these mixtapes of all the stuff that was sort of happening. And uh, I've still got them. I can't throw them away. And every time I, I find something I can listen to them on, I put them on. And, and it's just like evocative of so much stuff about how grateful we were to hear about that and, you know, and to get that stuff and, and you know, the sort of effort that you put into it. So I've now got an image of you and Philippa sort of dancing around Guinea-Bissau uh, singing Common People. By <laughs> it was that era. That yeah, sort yeah. of thing, yeah, 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 yeah. So it was Blur <laughs> Oasis, that kind of Mazzy star. Yeah, yeah. Some great stuff there. <laughs> People have also done these um, quite weird experiments, I think, where they've tried to work out what the sort of enjoyment is when you go and watch live music versus listening to recorded music. And so what they did is they measured people's head movements because sort of head bobbing is quite a good proxy for how like into something you are, oh, how, much, okay. how much you're enjoying it. Mm. And so they they measured head movements on a group of people at a gig uh, and then they, they did the same group of people but just listening to a recording of the same artist. Yeah. And they found that people were more into it when it was when it was live, and and they thought that that's partly because live stuff is less predictable, and we quite like a sort of an odd combination of familiarity and novelty. Like yeah, we yeah. really get off yeah. on something. We, we oh yeah, I, I know that I like this, and all oh, that's a bit surprising. That's yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. Free song. So they've done something interesting with the song here. Yeah. Whereas I guess if you listen to a recording, pretty much like you know what's coming up yeah, on the album. Yeah. Um, I mean, live is also multi-sensory, isn't it? So you, you've got yeah, a bit there's more... Yeah, there's a visual element yeah, as well. Yeah. And you can see other people around you also enjoying yeah. it, and that's kind of quite infectious. It's kind of interesting that, like, you know, you're doing those studies, and presumably a lot of the studies are done with live instruments mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and sort of acoustic, probably, you know, maybe sort of classical instruments or something. But I think a lot of the, the music that we listen to now is sort of electronic. Um, you know, there's like tech stuff involved so i mean i wonder if that's sort of changing and, and also you know people are there at raves or rather than you know just watching a festival they're involved in many levels aren't they and that you know you can be on drugs and have a new appreciation for music and, and sort of you know it's it's more than just like oh here's a nice bit of music and lovely intervals between those notes kind of thing you know it's, it's a much bigger thing than that yeah yeah i mean this isn't our uh our drugs episode um but there certainly have been studies into the relationship between drugs and music and we'll get into that as well as why some people literally just don't like music right after this break Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And we're back. Um, so historically, there, there has always been uh, a culture between drugs and and certain types of 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 music so if you look at something like lsd it enhances sort of music evoked emotions but there's a really interesting bit of uh, sort of brain function in here so there's a part of the brain and i don't think i don't think i, I can say the 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 name of it uh, not not the, it's not rude i just don't think i can say it. i don't think i can pronounce it <laughs> the, please try yeah uh, okay it's something like the locus Keruleus. Ker- I'd never, I'd never heard of it. You know, <laughs> you sort of think I know the parts of the brain. I looked at that, I was like, nope, <laughs> got, got nothing on that. But it's the, um, it, it's the, the bit of the brain that detects novelty. As okay, I said yeah, before, yeah. We, we really like novelty, yeah, and we also like familiarity. And so if you can get that sort of sweet spot where you're, it's familiar and, yeah. and a bit novel, we, we love that. And some drugs activate the same so psychedelic drugs i think it is actually activate that part of the brain so that it's as if you've never heard this thing before so that explains if you're on a psychedelic why you, you put something on that you and you absolutely know this this song but it's it takes on this whole new yeah. meaning like you've got to listen to this yeah, this is yeah, the best yeah. song ever yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's because yeah, the, the novelty part of, the, of your brain is kind of firing and going, oh, yeah. this is so new and cool and exciting. And so how much of that do you think is responsible for the Beatles' success? I mean, I'm not a massive Beatles fan, so I'm happy to um, to put it all at the door of psychedelics. Yeah, yeah. let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's other drugs. So like um, like cannabis. Like cannabis has a... Has a uh, and it doesn't work with all, all cannabis because it's, you know, the sort of the makeup of cannabis is fairly complicated. But... Um, basic weed can allow you to sort of focus quite intensely yeah um, so that's why it has a relationship with sort of meditation and mindfulness and, yeah. and, and yoga um historically and now i suppose and that means you just you just pay more attention to the music and yeah. so you might therefore get more out of it because yeah. you're because you're focused so there's all sorts of reasons that drugs are associated with different types of music so 
Is music like sex in that we are we humans aren't the only ones enjoying it? You remember our sexuality episode where we have to stop and Google? Ah, the short nosed fruit bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horny. Fellatio everywhere. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, are you asking, are I mean, we the uh, only do, ones yeah, who are enjoying it? Uh, uh, are animals enjoying music? Well, you know, I'm borderline obsessed with cool things animals do. So yeah. obviously, I asked Professor Robert this. It's not very clear whether uh, other animals enjoy uh, sounds the way we do. For one thing, you know, the sounds that we make uh, as music are, are created by us, for us, and different animal species have di- very different uh, auditory systems, for instance. So, you know, I was mentioning rats before. Well, they hear very, very high frequencies that we're not even sensitive to. And uh, uh, the same is true of, of other species. So. It seems very unlikely to me that music that we make would uh, would be relevant to them in any particular way. There are some interesting findings that uh, some species of animals, like certain kinds of um, cockatoos, will uh, move in time to, the, to music, in time to human music, and that's very interesting. But it seems like the, uh, the, the animals do that because they like, they're very social animals, they like to uh, do things that please their owners. And so maybe by moving to the music, the owner finds that pleasurable and, and likes it and gives the animal you know, strong positive feedback and uh, it may be linked to that. This sort of behavior has never been observed in the wild. So you know, parrots or cockatoos do not sing and dance with each other in, in the jungle. So they do it only with humans. I was um, a bit disappointed uh, with, uh, with Robert's answer. So I was like, I'm going to do some of my own research, see what I come up with. Because um, I just the, felt The guy like, spent an entire lifetime building a career on this. Yeah. And you thought, now I'm going to yeah, Google I like, it. I could have a look, uh, <laughs> see what I could dig up. Uh, I just thought there's, there's going to be some other animals that are dancing. Um, and so I just made... Uh, I made a list um, oh, of, 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 of nice, <laughs> nice things that animals are doing with music, uh, and some of them are fantastic. So, first up, mosquitoes. What? <laughs> so, this is not by no means by saying mosquitoes are enjoying music, yeah. but if you play dubstep <laughs> to mosquitoes, so if you if you bang on the Skrillex, <laughs> then they will uh, eat less, as in they'll 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 bite you less, and they'll have sex less. So the idea is that you could potentially use that as a sort of means of preventing the spread. So forget of, your you know, citronella candles, bang on the that, dubstep. On, exactly, exactly. Uh, because the, 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 they think the dubstep just disrupts um, some of the, the kind of the like low frequency buzzing that, is, that makes part, uh, of, their, yeah, part yeah. of their courtship. Yeah. Um, and so it just basically it just really pisses them off. <laughs> I'm trying to get jiggy here. I can't. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I can't even male mosquito can't make yeah, his move. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I like that. So that's that's just an effect of a type of music. Like, that I like that. That, yeah. uh, that I thought was quite good. Um, cats. Now, cats pretty much seem to ignore human music. Like they don't. Just don't pay any attention to it whatsoever. But people have made specific music for cats, 
Uh, so Cat owners sort of, will do anything, uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I say that. Uh, people are like, me. I, I've done this for Tippy. <laughs> um, so they have a kind of the same tempo as purring. There's kind of uh, some sounds like the sound of, of suckling when they're, when they're young. And if you play that, I don't know what it sounds like, and we're probably awful, but cats like it. So cats will... Cats will cats will purr. Cats will go over to the speaker. Cats will kind of rub themselves up against the speaker. So obviously, we're going to link to this on Twitter, aren't we? When this episode comes out, yeah. we've got to get some of that music yeah, out there. Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I like the fact that cats. It's not that they 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 don't like music. They just don't like our music. Yeah, no, fair enough. They're like this stuff is yeah. gash. <laughs> give me some of the give me some of the sweet purring suckling. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Uh, uh, Robert mentioned uh, cockatoos as being able to keep beat. Yeah, uh, they can. So can sea lions. Oh. And there's a lovely video of, of a sea lion keeping beat <laughs> that I really enjoyed. Um, this this one I think is. Am I sceptical? I think I'm slightly sceptical. So there's a, there's a study done in 2001 of a herd of like a decent sized herd of of cows, like a thousand cows. Yeah. And they found that if you play them slower music, so, you know, sort of Beethoven uh, or R.E.M. or something, then they will produce more milk. Right. I think I might have read about that. I think you probably did. I mean, it's been knocking around for a while. I looked at the, the difference in volumes and I couldn't help thinking that's not very much like i wondered if it was statistically yeah uh but i like the idea and the kind of the theory of it is that you know slow tempo music will just kind of relax them okay in the who same sponsored way the research it, was it classic fm yeah well, no, it was classic fm uh, along with um who's a big dairy brand clover uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clover still knocking around <laughs> but you know so if i mean if you play uh humans mozart it will it, it 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 kind of affects the the hypothalamus, which is the the kind of regulation sensor that kind yeah. of sets all of the rhythms and paces of the body. And you can see it like reduces your heart rate and it reduces your blood pressure. Is, that, so is maybe, that proper research? I mean, I mean, I've read that stuff and I've never been very convinced that the effects are going to be that replicable. I think a lot of people have looked at them, and it does seem to. I think when it. When you look at the the activity of the uh, of the brain, so you whack someone in an fMRI scanner, yeah, you you can see that it is firing in the in the hypothalamus, right? When you play that kind of music, but it wouldn't, but it, it wouldn't if you played it like cold know, play. like death metal or something. Yeah, well, death metal is not a, not an equivalent, is it? That's not not a fair. No, comparison. no, but I'm just like no, but I'm saying like a, a, a fast paced, loud. But you're just looking for an effect yeah. from a type of music, aren't you? Yeah, and so you want something that's almost like the opposite to try and yeah but what i'm saying is you you don't want you know to give mozart special credit do you oh no 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 sorry i'm not no sorry Uh, i'm i was giving mozart as an example of Uh, of slow paced classical music yeah like uh, like rem would do it just as well yeah yeah but anything or like enya oh i reckon imagine being stuck in an fmri machine and then somebody puts enya on Uh, so cruel and actually speaking of Enya so primates um, there's been quite a lot of research what are you saying about Enya into, uh, well I'm, I'm about to tell you uh, chimps like Enya and they, <laughs> and they like Pavarotti <laughs> so all, all primates pretty much if you if you give them control of um, 
well, the radio effectively. I mean, not the not, not sort of tuning into different stations. I don't think, but if you let them have control over whether there's music playing or not, yeah, they quite like playing music. Not the whole time, but like half of the time, they they like having it on. Okay, and you'll see that they they reduce sort of unusual behaviours and like pacing and th- things that we think mean that they're oh, not so happy. It seems to seems de- to de-stress right. them. Yeah, wow. Um, and so so yeah, chimps. It seems they like uh, Enya and Pavarotti. Uh, bonobos like uh, sort of oldies from the nineteen fifties. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and, and, <laughs> and a certain type of monkey that I didn't write down uh, likes Michael Bolton. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> and so immediately you've got a great image of uh, just a sort of a crowd of monkeys and then Michael Bolton just performing and the monkeys just absolutely like having the time of their life throwing shit at him <laughs> is it because when he had long like, hair he looked a bit like Tarzan yeah. <laughs> I, to be fair I don't think any of the experiments have been done with Michael Bolton there oh, well they, that needs to be rectified <laughs> it does <laughs> Uh, again, if you're listening, Michael, uh, <laughs> get, get in touch. We'll get you down the zoo, son. <laughs> uh, I think that might be me. <laughs> that might be my list of animals. <laughs> so inconclusive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have not overturned uh, Professor Roberts' uh, research. No, there, I no, I, 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 no, I haven't. All, all I was looking for was just some fun stuff <laughs> to do with animals and music. And I think, I think I did it. Oh, he's like, he's put his whole career on hold now. It's like, oh, I've got it all so wrong. <laughs> Rick's shown me. But I, I, I think that. So they don't. Animals don't create music themselves as far as we can tell. So the stuff that we would think of as being music, like songbirds, is just their communication. Well, whale song. I suppose that's communication as well. That's communication as well, yeah. So that that's closer to language. But as I said at the start, language and, and, and music are very, very closely yeah. linked. Yeah. So, um, But music does clearly have some effect, maybe small effects, on, on animal behaviour. Yeah, okay. So, I so mean, we'll yeah. mark that so, yeah, down as, listen, you know, you know you, you, don't, don't you, give up. You might not Robert. be wrong, Professor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep, keep at it, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> so from my perspective, a lot of what animals hear is probably rhythms and they're, you know, they're basically responding to rhythmic stimuli. Would that be fair? Yeah, I think it's, I think it probably is quite fair. I want to talk about something else, but before I do that, I just uh, in, in the course of my extensive uh, research trying to <laughs> trying to prove Fred's <laughs> Robert wrong, <laughs> uh, actually not not in that bit. Um, I just I came across a few bits of information that I found staggering and had never heard before, and I thought you would enjoy. Um, so the first one is there's another bit of brain that I'd never heard of <laughs> called the 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 Putamen. All right. Heard of that? No, never. No, nothing. Apparently, this is the bit of the brain that processes uh, rhythm and regulates kind of body movement and, and coordination. Okay. Yeah. Um, and because music increases dopamine levels in there, it can, in human patients, temporarily stop the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. What? So it can sort of act like a like a cane. So suddenly, someone with Parkinson's who's, who wasn't able to like get up out of their chair, yeah. Play them the right bit of music, and they and they can and up they get. What, what kind the of music? Mu- does and that? then the music. I, d- I don't. I don't know that. 
Oh. But may, actually, it might just be any music that they like because you're just trying to get dopamine levels up. Right, yeah. But isn't that wow. mad? Yeah, yeah, that is. But as soon as you turn the music off, curtains. Oh, no. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's, that's sad and equally could be a great party game. So what, I mean, it certainly gives musical chairs. Sort of like a, musical uh, chairs yeah, sort of, uh, with a new d- d- twist. Different flavour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was good, I thought. Uh, also, the ear only has three and a half thousand uh, inner hair yeah. filaments. And that is taking care of, of hearing for you. Yeah. And you compare that to the fact that your eyes have got a hundred million photoreceptors. Your ears are doing a pretty good job. Yeah. And you don't want to lose those. Not particularly, no. Um, and which was a good segue. I'm going to give you one more fact. I'm lucky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, may, maybe you knew this. Maybe, maybe this is my ignorance. We're born with more neurons than we need. And around the age of eight, you start to dump yeah. the ones that are sort of deemed to be unnecessary. And that is why it's so much easier to uh, learn music and languages and, and things like that or anything when you're a kid wow and then, and, then, okay. and, then, and then gradually the brain's like well you didn't use those so off they go so your violin neurons have gone yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, that again is quite a weird system i mean i guess yeah, maybe, um, it's, maybe it's efficient do you think we've always lost them or do you think there was at some point in our evolutionary history where you didn't lose them because you actually used much more of them for tasks that had to be done and now we're sort of I don't know yeah, yeah but you just I, be I replaced you, we're just having to do different tasks now aren't we yeah we're doing yeah. less just just different so presumably it's just a way of yeah maximising the efficiency of what you've got you don't want to be running like a system that's got a load of bits that are never yeah. get used so it's like clearing out the cache yeah yeah, yeah. alright so you know we're we can both hear fine enjoy music mm. but i know that deaf people enjoy music as well so is that about sort of sensing other than through the ears or you know is that the kind of again i guess rhythms come through very strongly and probably bass yeah yeah so 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 bass in particular but vibrations and feel and touch end up being processed by exactly the same part of the brain yeah. so you would think right your auditory cortex is not going to get any messages in a, in a deaf person because you think well that, that's the whole point but they do they're just coming from a, from a different place yeah. so it's processed yeah. so therefore a deaf person's relationship with, with music can end up being really quite similar to someone who's yeah. got perfect hearing because it's being processed in the same yeah. place okay I mean that's interesting because I was I was reading an interview with um, Tasha from Love Island oh, who yeah, is yeah. deaf and is a dancer yeah right so you'd think oh you know maybe that's not you know, the obvious career, but actually for her, from, you know, from what she says, it's absolutely, you know, fine. No, yeah, I mean, no, no issues. Because what you, what you have is that the sort of, like the emotional connection that you might have with, with music, someone who's deaf can still have that. They'd just be recognising it from the, the, the bass notes or, or, or the beat yeah, rather than the, the higher pitched melody. Yeah. Which is probably what you or I would, would latch yeah, on to. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's just kind of, it, it sounds, but being, just not being processed by the ear, but then being sent to the same bit of the brain. And so having a lot of the, a lot, a lot of the same effects on, on brain chemistry. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Mm. Um, the thing I don't get 
It's why some people just say, no, I don't really like music. So actually, I, I, I put this to Professor Robert and asked him about people who just cannot enjoy music. Musical anhedonia is actually something that we discovered uh, with my, my colleagues uh, here in, in Barcelona, actually, at the University of Barcelona, because it had been assumed, I'm talking about, you know, 10 years ago or so, the assumption then was that essentially everyone likes music. But we started sort of digging into it, and we found that that's not necessarily true. There are some people who have perfectly normal hearing, they have perfectly normal uh, you know, uh, cognitive abilities, perfectly normal social lives, but they just report that they don't get enjoyment from music. And when we interviewed them, there aren't so many of them, but it's maybe one or two percent of the population. And when we interview them, they say, yeah, you know, all my friends or all my family, they're always telling me to, to listen to music because it's so wonderful, but I, it just doesn't give me any pleasure. I don't see what the, what the fuss is all about. You know, it's, I could live without it and it makes no difference. And when we, when we put those folks into a brain scanner, we found that indeed the reward part of the brain that I was talking about earlier, the parts of the brain that respond to pleasurable stimuli, were, were not active to music, but they were active in other domains. For example, we had them do like a, a video game that involves winning some money. And when they did that game, their reward system was lighting up just like everyone else. So there's nothing wrong with their reward system. It's just that the input to the reward system from the auditory part of the brain, the part that processes the musical sounds, uh, that input is somehow much weaker than it is in, in the average person. There was a, a scientific, I don't know if it was quite a consensus, but certainly an idea for a long time that we were hardwired to like a certain type of sound. So there's two, I mean, uh, as a musician, of course, you'll know this, uh, two, two basic type of sounds. So consonant sounds and then dissonant sounds yeah and so consonant sounds are just like the sort of mathematically perfect ones so when yeah. it's like an oxif lovely yeah just just sounds good it tends to sound kind of brighter yeah. and, and more final and then dissonant sounds uh just sound kind of harsh and sort of unfinished and the classic is uh the theme tune of the simpsons like that yeah. ends on a dissonant yeah. uh, uh, sound and it's quite like it's, it's amazing it's kind of iconic but yeah it's also it's like a it uh, i don't know what the Effect you would. Well, it's designed to sort of discomfort you. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, it is discomforting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And people thought, well, that must just be, yeah, that must just be something about us. Um, and and the kind of the maths of it, you kind of it sort of made a bit of sense. You go, yeah, yeah, we obviously just we we like this and we don't like yeah. this. And obviously, musicians have played around with this idea a great deal. Um, but then they they did a, a test with this Amazonian tribe. So, and this is a tribe who'd had no exposure to Western music at all, um, and, uh, and 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 they played them all sorts of uh, different sounds, uh, consonant and dissonant, and they had no preference. Oh, really? They just like they'd like some of them, they didn't like them, but there was there was there was no discernible. Uh, whereas when you do it with, say, like a group of American students, yeah, they they like the they like the consonant, they don't like the dissonant. So. That really tells you. And then they, I think they did another group that was sort of like a group of people who lived in Bolivia that was sort of like a halfway house. They yeah. had a little bit of, but not much Western music. And, and they were, their results were roughly in the middle. 
So oh. they kind of preferred the the consonant sounds, but didn't didn't hate the dissonance. But didn't really hate the dissonant sound. And so that says this is a learned behaviour. Yeah, this is this is not innate. Um, and and this is what I was yeah this is what I wanted. And it's to not to do with the mathem- mathematical perfection no. or anything like that. No, these octaves and and you know perfect sort of numbers from the Greeks and all that kind of stuff. No, so so what we think it may have been actually, and just coming right back to the start, is when we first started to make musical instruments like these these shitty little bone pipes. <laughs> yeah. It would have just been easier to play consonant sounds. And I just think all of these instruments would it would they would have been playing consonant sounds, and that will be to do with physical properties. Yeah. So I guess it is slightly related, and that's so that's what we've kind of in in evolutionary history yeah. over thousands of years. That's kind of what we've grown up listening to. Uh, so you can imagine if somebody like was evenly spacing the holes on their bone flute, yeah, that would give you a series of notes that actually were more likely to be consonant than dissonant. Than dissonant, yeah. Just because of the mathematical physical yeah. or the physical properties of that. So that's maybe what you get used to. So whereas the the goon that had the kind of holes all over the place, yeah, people like, What's a, that it was racket? really hard to to, yeah, to play. Hard properly. to play, yeah, yeah, because your fingers are evenly mm-hmm, spaced, aren't mm-hmm, they? So, mm-hmm. oh god, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, yeah. But the idea that it's um, yeah, the idea it's learned behaviour. You wouldn't have thought that, would you? No. But it seems seems it is. So our question for this episode: uh, Why do humans like music? Obviously, I asked Professor Robert. At one level, uh, I believe the answer has to do with uh, the biology of our nervous system. We have structures in the brain which uh, have evolved over millions and millions of years to signal the presence of important, salient, and pleasurable stimuli. And as humans, we not only respond to very biologically pleasurable stimuli, like let's say food, but we also respond to very abstract, complex stimuli, including um, artistic stimuli and of course music I would argue is uh, is one of the most highly developed of those hearing music where you expect something to happen and what happens is something a little bit different that the musician is is giving you they're either uh, giving you a slightly different chord or they're prolonging uh, a cadence or they're they're changing the rhythm so that it's a little bit more offbeat that's what music gives us the greatest pleasure is when you're expecting something to happen and what happens is actually better than what you expected. And that's when you get the biggest dopamine boost uh, in your reward system. And I believe that's when we experience the greatest pleasure. It's basically music is a drug. Yeah. And it's made better by taking certain drugs. Yeah. Because it's just, it's just doing that chemical thing. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, and and I think, I mean, it ha- it does it it has to have had an important role at some point in our revolutionary past. Yeah, sure. Because otherwise, you wouldn't just have something weirdly acting on your reward circuit for no for no reason. I don't think. No, but it it, it, wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't get selected for, would it? But it's a stimulus. It's like touch, mm. isn't it? Or mm. it, 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 but, it's but a touch immediately. You're like, I, I know why that's useful because it's telling me something about my environment. Music isn't telling me anything about my environment. It's not keeping me safe. It's not allowing me to eat more. It's not like it's not performing any tangible function. Is so it's, it? ju- it's just the bonding. It's just, yeah, pleasure. But I think bonding is the... Shared pleasure, yeah, effectively. Shared, shared pleasure, which enables... Uh, shared pleasure, which facilitates bonding with large groups of people, which is 
which is definitely useful yeah if if you look at the way that human society has evolved okay good old music that's marvellous. I've actually, I've warmed slightly to music over the course of this episode. <laughs> I, I, I came away from it thinking, do you know what? Maybe music's not so bad after all. <laughs> Eureka is a stack production presented by Dr. Michael Brooks and Rick Edwards. The production team is Temi Adebayo, Katie Baxter, Luke Moore and Charlie Morgan. Sound designed by Katie Baxter. Special thanks to today's expert, Professor Robert Zatori. Please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. It does make a massive difference. We also really love hearing from you guys. So if you have any burning questions you want us to answer, drop us an email at eureka at stack.london or you can find us, as always, on Twitter at EurekaPod. Thanks. As I was reading the bit about uh, a breakup, crying after a breakup, I remembered <laughs> that after I broke up with my first... Um, First, yeah, first girlfriend. I was very sad. I listened to one song on repeat for, I think, three days, wow. realistically, and just around and around and around and wow. around and around. And now, on the very rare occasions that I hear that song, immediately get like a <laughs> shudder. Really? Um, a shudder of sort of just like, that was a terrible time, or, yeah. or it just evokes that emotion? Bit of both, I think. Yeah, oh, and, and interesting, it's isn't it? inextricably linked. Like, there's there's no way I can hear that song without thinking of, of that. But not really. What not, song was it? Uh, you you yeah. you'll never guess it. Uh, it's um it's a one hit wonder actually. Eagle Eye Cherry, Save Tonight. I know that. Quite. Save tonight. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do tomorrow it. Tomorrow will don't be do gone. Don't do it to me. <laughs> Come tomorrow. Yes. yes, you know it. Um, and so you're you're, you're not just the trying to make you shudder. You're not the singer, you say. Okay, interesting. <laughs> uh, uh, or a nice message from Katie. Can this go as an Easter egg at the end of the episode? Yes, it can. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Probably cut out before Brooksy starts singing. <laughs> Eureka is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 